morning. Today I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good morning. Welcome our guests this morning. We're happy to have you with us. Our theme for this month very much ties into the lesson this morning, or maybe I tie the lesson into the theme. I think that's definitely what happened. But Barry just read for us from Matthew, from the words of Christ, exhorting and encouraging us to be lights. And as we look into the scriptures, we see examples. When the church grew, when it flourished, when it did great things, Christians were acting as lights. I want you to think about what light does. You'll never hear of darkness overcoming light. There's no switch you can put in your house to when you flip it on, the house goes dark. You might want something like that to sleep better, but they don't make that. What you have to do is put blackouts or some dark curtains over the window to keep light from coming in if you've got to sleep during the day. But you're trying to stop the light. As someone might say, well, what about black holes? Well, black holes, really, it's just It's not the darkness overcoming the light. It's gravity pulling back light particles. When we look throughout the universe and the world, we see that light overcomes darkness. An example of Christ here is that we are a city set on a hill and our light is to shine. That people are to see our works. This is the meaning of being glorious, of glorifying God is what Christ is saying right here. You want to be a light in the world. You want to be a lamp, not under a basket. You want the light to be shown. And he gives the details of what it means to be a light, what it means to glorify God. I think there's often misnomer. When we think about glorifying God, some people think about worship or they think about the assembly. They think about praising God. And that's true. That's a part of us glorifying God. But as we read right here, and Barry just read for us, glorifying God means that my works represent God. They glorify my Father in heaven. So when you think about glorifying God, you must be thinking about being a light. Now, no darkness can overcome us when we are following God's Word, when the truth is within us, when we are doing good, when we're doing what God wants us to do. I don't want you to think like that. Are you an example of that? You know, if the darkness seems to be overcoming you, I might think again that it's not that the darkness is overcoming the light. It can't do that, but that our light is getting smaller or becoming weak, that it needs fuel and the lamp needs more oil. Now, this morning, we want to think about that. We want to go from the concept of being light, of glorifying God, of how we glorify God, what it is that Christians do that demonstrate God that is a light in this world. And I want you this morning to think about that. This is what glorifies God. This is how the Bible tells me to do it. How am I personally going to do that? How can I be doing it more? And that is our thought for this month and our theme, to be a light and glorify God. I want to ask you another question this morning. 
What about a dying church glorifies God? What about a dying church gives glory to God? What about a church that has no fruits in it? When the community looks at the congregation and sees, well, they all drive in from different parts of the city into one place, and they get together and they go back out, sometimes the community and the neighbors around us are not going to see. They're just going to see, well, there's a lot of people busy there coming in and going out. What are they doing? What light are they shining to their neighbors, to the ones closest to them? I think we need to be thinking about that. The answer to this question, I think, if you've been thinking about it for a moment is, what about a dying church gives glory to God? You thought of anything? I've yet to think of anything. It gives no glory to God. A fruitless church does not give glory to God. I think you might agree, and I don't think I'm being harsh here, but at Dean Road, sometimes our light is really bright. Sometimes it becomes pretty dim. And we seem to go in and out, back and forth. And I hope we get to the point where maybe there are some times when we're going to struggle and have some dimming, but to where that light is always seen, to where it's never being hidden, when it's always on the hill and the community around us can see what we're doing. I want you to think about this. What about a dying church gives glory to God? I'm a member of the church. What am I doing? What does the world see us doing that demonstrates God and demonstrates Jesus? As an individual, am I a part of that light? You know, Christmas time comes around, we put lights all over our house. And the more lights you put on there, the more it kind of glows, the more kids love it. They want to look at those homes. Uh, Rachel went this week on a field trip. Uh, I think it was with Wyatt Tomash. It was with Megan. Okay. Forget which kid's going where. But anyway, so they went to Mosh. They went to the planetarium. And they talked about the light pollution in the city and not being able to see the stars. And we don't want anything to fade us out, to dim us out. But as we think about what light does, we want to think about the Scriptures this morning and what more we can do. Light and glory. So here's our Scripture that Barry just read for us. Being a light in the world is glorifying God. That's the meaning of it. It's not just praising Him like we're doing now. And this is a time when we glorify God. But again, if we keep our light in this church building, who's going to see it? At night, we turn the lights on in our building, physically, and the community can't really see that. I'm glad we got light on the signs out there now. But when we think about ourselves individually, we keep our light within the building. We're keeping it in a basket. We want the world to see what Christ is doing in us. In Matthew chapter 5, 14, 16, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says again, as Mary had read for us, You are the light of the world. He's encouraging them. He's exhorting them. It's the very beginning of a sermon. You are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Notice that. The light gives light to all in the house. That's what we want to do. We don't want to be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't do your works before men to be glorified or praised by them. But he also said right before then, don't hide it. Don't hide the light. Let your light shine before others. Let others see the influence of God and Christ in your life. And so they may see your good works. Notice how the light is shined. Notice the glorification here. What are they seeing in us? They're seeing our works. And if we can say, well, I've done a lot of good works this week, and they've all been in my house, and they've all been in the church, and they've all 
and they haven't gotten outside, but we want to be thinking more. How can the light be seen more in the world? Am I shining my light in work? Or am I listening to the world that tells us, no, God has no place here in the business world, no place in school? Well, that's not true, is it? We've got to demonstrate our light. The world needs to see our good works. And notice here, we shine our light. It demonstrates our good works. So that's how you do it. You show your good works to the world. And what does that do? It gives glory to your Father who is in heaven. It gives glory. The word glory in the Bible has the idea of demonstrating light, of showing something, of giving an appearance. And that's what we want to do. We want the world to see Christ in us. Are you glorifying the Father? Is your light shining? You can't say when you're looking at this, well, my light's shining, but I'm not doing good works that people can see. It doesn't work that way. i got to be doing the works to say that my light is shining, to say that I'm glorifying the Father. I can't say that I'm doing one without the other. They're all together. I want to give you this morning six reasons to glorify God as we're thinking about this. So when you think about this subject and you read the Scripture, and we might think about the little kid's song. This is a kid's story. This is what Jesus had taught, this little Christian light of mine. And we may just limit the light right there. But I think when we look at the concept of this, this is something that reflects God. It reflects Jesus. It's a thought and a theme throughout the Scriptures. And we have a number of reasons that we want to make this an emphasis and a thought that's constantly in our mind. So as we look at this, we're going to look at six reasons. I'm going to give you three at the beginning and three at the end. So number one, the mission of Christ was to glorify God. Jesus said that. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came for this person. I came from heaven to earth to glorify God. So we want to be a light because that is the mission of Christ, and it is the mission, therefore, of the church. Number two, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about this. He says, there's a light within you that needs to be shining to the world. The gospel within you is that light, and you need to be giving that light, the gospel, to those around you. He said, there are those that are blind, that can't see the light, who are darkened by this world. But you are a light in this world, and the gospel is to be manifested in you through the gospel. That light must be in your heart. You must passionately love the truth, and it's got to be seen in everything that you do, in every part of your works. That's what we want to become as Christians. That's what Christ is telling us to do. And number three, another reason why we want to glorify God, why we want to study this, is that God's ultimate purpose for creation is for His glory. Imagine if God made the universe but didn't create light. What would you see? See nothing. We'd not be able to see anything. The very idea of it is something you can't comprehend. It doesn't make any sense. All the world, everything that was created, when he created light and darkness was for us to see, see the creation, see his glory. As Romans 1 and verse 20 says, when we look at the creation and Psalm 19 and verse 1 we can see God's glory. We can see the creation. We can see what has been made and been ordered and designed and put together as He intended it to be. It is a part of God's nature, a part of His creation, and a part of His eternal purpose for His creation was to glorify His nature and for everybody who is following Him to do the same thing. That's what we were looking for. So we're not talking about a small thing this morning when we're talking about being a light. And I'll give you a few more reasons about that in a moment. But where are the lights? What does a wicked world think of believers complaining and disputing? 
no matter how wicked they are, how hypocritical they are, when they look at us and they say, I'm not going there, that's where the hypocrites are. That's the people who are not consistent. Those are the ones who are always complaining and disputing among themselves. That's not being a light. In fact, the Scriptures, Paul speaks very much against that. He says it's contrary to being a light. He also says this, and we ask you this question, as lights in the world, to what do Christians hold fast? Paul's about to tell us. And you might think automatically, when I think of the Scriptures, and I think about holding fast to something, it's truth. It's God's Word. It is the light to the world that I'm holding fast to. Well, guess what? That's exactly what Paul says when he encourages us to be a light. We're about to read a Scripture about that in a moment. So where do Christian leaders find joy from their labor? They find joy in their labor when other people around them, as they're encouraging and we're encouraging one another, we're sharing our lives together, we're sharing good works together, not keeping them to ourselves. They find joy in the labors of everybody else around them. And there's a problem when it says, when we think, well, so-and-so's doing this and that one's doing that. I have no part in it. I feel left out. Or it, it, it doesn't feel right when the leaders are doing everything and nobody else is having a part in it. We want joy. And the leaders of the congregation are wanting to spread as they know more good to do. They want to share it with the members. Here's the scripture here where I get those points and those thoughts from. Philippians 2, 14 through 18, Paul says this, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's find joy. The Christian joy is when we're all doing, we're all partaking of the fruit of the Spirit. We're all doing good when we're sharing of those great works, good works that God has given for us to do. This morning, I want to take this a little bit further as far as spreading that light and sharing it with others and, and learning what we should expect from leadership and by the example of others. So you have your Bibles. We're going to take our exposition from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 8. I encourage you, open your Bible, look for observations, thoughts in here that I may not present, that I cannot show you completely. So there's more to the text than what I can simply summarize here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read this and we're going to do a little bit of backstory as well because I think it adds more to what Paul is saying. So let's read the text. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi. You remember when Paul and Silas came to, came to Thessalonica, they had been in Philippi. Remember what happened to them in Philippi? They were beaten and imprisoned. That's the context there. You had already known, and we didn't come to you in vain, he says. But verse 2, But though we have already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or from an attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, 
Nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And I think if we were to have a kind of a summary of what I want to emphasize right here from that passage, it's in verse 8. Paul comes to the point, he says, we share with you more than just the gospel. We shared ourselves. We shared our lives. We want to do the same thing. Here's some of the observations I take from this text. This is what I see about these first evangelists, Paul, Silas, the others that are traveling and preaching with him. They shared a boldness together in God, despite that they might be beaten and mocked and persecuted. They had boldness. They sought to please God and not man. That was his agenda. Paul says the same thing in Galatians chapter 1. He says, my objective is not to please man. I'm not looking to make everybody happy in that sense. When it comes to the gospel, I want to teach the truth. Paul also said that he become all things to all people. And then he says this, that God has entrusted them with the gospel. And God has done the same thing to us. He has entrusted us with the gospel, that light to take to the world. And Paul says this, they came neither for greed nor glory. And that's true for the apostles and the Bible writers. You never see them taking money, making strong demands, putting burdens on the people. They were willing to work if they had to, to do whatever they had to do to put themselves fully into what they were doing. And then these evangelists, they shared not only the gospel, but also themselves. They shared their lives. And that's what we need from leaders in the church. That's what we need from every Christian who's willing to share their lives to be an example. I want to look here a little bit more further at the backstory here and what they said. Just a few verses before, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 6-8, through 8, Paul says this, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And today when people, a lot of people hear, people hear the gospel, they want to back away from it. They stand away from it because they're not hearing the joy in it. They're not seeing the fruit of it. They're not seeing that Jesus rose from the dead so that one day we would rise from the dead. That what he had to do was to die on the cross to take away our sin, our guilt, and our shame so that we can live in faith toward him. They're not hearing that message. They're simply hearing judgment. They're hearing condemnation. They're hearing, I'm a sinner and I need to confirm and change my life in hard ways and things are going to be burdensome for me. Well, we want the world to hear the truth. We want them to see the light. We want them to have joy when they hear God's Word. That yes, there is hope of eternal life, and it comes only through Jesus Christ. And verse 7, So that you became as an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Notice that. Thessalonica is in the nation of Macedonia. And the world began to hear immediately that these idolaters and these who had followed after other gods had converted. They were following after Christ. They believed in the God of the Jews, Yahweh. They were following him diligently. And that joy and that reception of the gospel, it did not stay in Macedonia. It went south into another nation of Achaia. The whole world heard about it. And look at this in verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. 
those in Ephesus, those in Asia Minor, those in Jerusalem and Judea, the Christians in Antioch, wherever they might be throughout the world, world they knew of the, of the church in Thessalonica. They knew of their love. They knew of their joy. And the gospel spread. And it's in that context that Paul urged them to share their lives just as they were sharing their lives with them. So they received the word with joy. They became examples, and their faith spread. Perfect example this morning of what we're talking about of being a light. Before we conclude this morning, I want to make a little bit further application here. We think about life. We think about who we are glorifying. We've got to realize this. John 1 and verse 9, John writes, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he reveals that this is Jesus Christ. Being a light is what Christ did. It's what Christians do who are following Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to follow Christ. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus revealed, John 12 and verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Darkness cannot overcome that light. Because Jesus is the light of the world, what are Christians? Because Christ is the light of the world, and we're followers of him, we are lights. If you claim to be a Christian and you can say, I'm not really a light, and I keep my light in my house, and I keep it in the church building, and I keep it inside, and the world can't see my works, how can I claim to be a Christian? How can I claim to be a follower of Christ? I encourage you this morning, again, Six reasons to glorify God as we've looked about. It's a part of God's eternal purpose, His mission for the church. It's what Christ came to do. We see this as well. Paul said to the Christians in Corinth, God has given them the Holy Spirit for them to glorify God in their bodies. It's not something to say, well, I'm going to glorify God in my spirit. I've got to demonstrate it in the way that I live and to live in holiness because God's Spirit dwells within me. Fifthly, why we want to study this and study the concept of light in the Bible is because Christians glorify God through suffering, through hardship, through persecution, through death. And number six, God wants his church to live in harmony together and glorify him with one voice. That's his mission of the church. Romans 15 and verse six, Paul says, the Jews, the Gentiles, all of you are to demonstrate your unity, your harmony, by glorifying God with one voice. And we do that this morning. There are a number of reasons the Bible tells us why we want to be a light in this world. Will you do it? You make a commitment this morning. I know what a light does. I know what my mission is. I know that being a light and glorifying God is to do good works. What do I need to do? We go back to our first question from the very beginning. What about a dying church gives glory to God? Nothing. Paul prayed this in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We again hear the purpose of the church, to glorify God. My final question is my challenge to you this morning. Is this congregation alike to our neighbors? Is the mission and the focus of this church to make disciples? It must be. That is the Great Commission. Are we sharing the gospel and ourselves with those around us? This morning, if you're not a disciple of Christ, become one. 
The Bible teaches you how. It tells you that you start with your faith by being baptized in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and you become a disciple. And you go from there to learn and to observe the commands of God. Encourage this morning, if you're not a disciple, confess your faith that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that he rose from the dead, and you will be saved. And upon that faith, die with Christ, be buried in baptism, and rise with Christ. It's with the rising from baptism that you are saved and start your new life. This morning, if you need to be baptized, you need to make your life right, if we can pray with you and encourage you to be a light, we encourage you to come right now as we stand and as we sing. Please come.